Welcome to the Literature Across Frontiers series, New Voices for Europe. I'm Alexandra Buchler, and it's a pleasure to introduce these interviews with writers who came to Europe from conflict zones and made the continent their new home. We have asked them about their journey, personal and creative, and what made it possible for them to restart writing as they emerged from often difficult circumstances. Some of these interviews are presented as podcasts, others as written articles. And all are a testimony to the admirable strength of spirit and perseverance the writers have shown. Welcome to this episode of the Literature Across Frontiers podcast. My name is Marsha Lings Quayley, and I'm joined today by Syrian playwright Mohammed Al-Atar. Thanks so much for joining us, Mohammed. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. No. So Mohammed Al-Atar was born in Damascus, uh, where he studied English literature and graduated in 2002. But he found his calling in theater early on, following his English lit degree with a theatrical studies degree from the Higher Institute of Dramatic Arts in Damascus. And he wrote his first play, Withdrawal, shortly after in 2007. He was part of the independent studio theater group in Damascus, along with director and longtime collaborator Omar Abu Saida. And then in 2009-2010, Alato did a master's degree in applied theater in London and returned to Damascus shortly before protests were about to begin. In 2011, Alato wrote, Could you please look into the camera, based around interviews with detainees, he was forced to leave Syria, but continued to compose plays as he moved, adapting Trojan Women in Jordan in 2013, Antigone of Shatila in Lebanon in 2014. The third play in that series, Iphigenia, was staged in Berlin in 2017. Latter has continued to write new works for theater, including The Factory in 2018, Damascus 2045 in 2019, and his works have been staged at theaters around the world. And I hope I didn't get anything terribly wrong there. <laughs> no, but um, uh, can, can I... Yes, please, correct. No, 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 no not, nothing wrong. Just my name is Al-Attar. Al-Attar, okay. <laughs> Al-Attar, so it's... Uh, I, uh, yeah, in Arabic it's different. But it's... Al-Attar. I mean, Al-Attar, exactly. So, yeah. It's, you know, these family names, um, especially in Damascus, they also belong to... Uh, Yes, yes. To, to, to crafts, like a lot. The perfumery, yeah. yes, yes. Yes, exactly. And also he's al- alchemist. Like yes. He used ah. to be the alchemist. And yeah, so, so yeah. This is where the family name comes from. I'm not. I'm, I'm not alchemist. I'm not perfumer, unfortunately. I would love to, <laughs> to also make perfumes and medicines from herbs. And yeah, but I don't. I, I didn't learn that. Well, you yeah. are a literary alchemist. Oh, you wow. turn uh, you turn uh, one thing uh, words from one thing into another, okay. especially you turn interviews into uh, uh, theatrical fictional theater. So, absolutely, you are continuing in the family tradition. That's the best compliment I ever uh, received. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, so it's interesting. I I remember your first play, Withdrawal. I think I read it in 2010. It was in a collection. Uh, of theater works that was translated to English, um, although I don't remember the name of the collection. Uh, and 
you you've been working. I, I'm interested that you you were working with Omar Abu Saida since around that same time, and I wondered how important it has been as you've moved to completely resituate yourself um, from from Damascus now into Berlin to maintain some of the same collaborative collections since theater is sort of far more collaborative than poetry or novels. I mean, how does that sort of complicate the life of a playwright in exile and and how how have you been able to maintain the that relationship and those connections? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, first and foremost, we are friends, uh, and mm. I think that's 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 the um, uh, the strong base for this collaboration. We studied in the same uh, drama school, or what we uh, called the Higher Institute of Dramatic Arts in Damascus. Uh, he's he's a few years older than me, so when I joined the drama school, he was about to graduate, and we met, and we, I mean, our relation started as friends who had things in common, had. Uh, few passions in common towards theater and movies and cinema. So we had a lot of discussions uh, and uh, yeah, and then things translated into work and uh, uh, definitely uh, once I had to leave Syria, uh, first to Lebanon before I, jo- I came to Berlin, because first I, I left Syria to Lebanon and I stayed there for more than five years. And then I came to Germany, and twice, unfortunately, I didn't choose to leave. So I didn't. It was kind of forced mm. departure from Syria first, and again from Lebanon. It was against my will. Uh, so yeah, of course, uh, things are getting more and more difficult because in Lebanon we still were closer because Omar managed, despite all the uh events happened in syria uh, he 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 stayed in syria so he could always travel and go back hopefully that he will remain to do so i mean till now he's able to do so but once i was in i moved to europe uh, uh, more and more far uh, yeah things are becoming more difficult we were lucky of course and we are grateful for all the opportunities we got that we we maintain this uh, uh, uh collaboration uh, even with this distance, but definitely it's much more difficult now. There, uh, beside the lack of, how to say, um, uh, closeness, like, I mean, of course, because this is how we used to work. We used to sit for long hours just to chat, like any friends do, by the way, like uh, mm. over a coffee or drink on a coffee shop or just to, to walk long uh, hours uh, through, uh, through the night in Damascus. Really, this is what uh, both of us love to do, like. We were, we were a night creature and we used just to cross the city from one end to another and speaking and discussing. And uh, uh, So uh, we miss all of that, definitely. I mean, uh, now we have less uh, opportunities to do that. Uh, uh, so you have, you, and also added to that, you have now the obstacles of visas and travels and the logistics. Uh, so uh, now, now what we do is we replace this, of course, by um, virtual communication, which is not ideal. And this is, of course, pre-pandemic. It's not like now I know that everybody is on, on virtual communication. Anyway, <laughs> but, it, but that was our case before. So uh, once we have a project and once we found 
somebody to sponsor or to produce this project because this is another also logistical problem because we do not live in one place. And here also I have to bring into conversation our third collaborator, Bissam Al-Sharif, and right. mm. a scenographer and set designer. And sometimes also there are some of actors and other technicians that we would love to work with if we have the chance. So so because none, none, we don't live in one place, we don't share a physical place. We sat in Paris, Omar is still in Damascus, I'm in Berlin. If we want to work with uh, the, some actors, video artists, musicians that we'd like to work with, also they are scattered. So we couldn't, uh, because I think if we were all of us, or at least the three of us, let's say, live in one city, in one country, I think by now we could have our physical structure also, like a company, you know, yeah. and, uh, or even maybe a small space, because this is also important to us. Maybe not space to perform, just to do a rehearsal or something, but this is mm. also very essential usually in developing uh, the, the theme of a company. But because we don't, unfortunately, have this, we don't have the ability to do this because we live in different countries and sometimes continents, uh, we have to rely on others to produce our work and to to realize our ideas from, uh, to 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 uh, to stage, like you know. So, so yeah. So, uh, but uh, anyway, we try to to find solutions all the time. Sometimes it's really difficult. Sometimes uh, these obstacles proved to be. Uh, decisive in 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 preventing us actually from realizing some of our projects which which is a shame but yeah not everything we wanted to do we managed to do exactly because of these logistical facts because of this uh, imposed distance and stuff like this but on the other hand if uh, also we look at the uh how to say uh, uh yeah the, the the bright side of things despite all these circumstances we managed to do, to do a few projects uh uh, and for that, we start our dialogue, our conversation virtually. We exchange ideas, we exchange uh, thoughts, and then, uh, and then once we are about to realize this project uh, or to stage it, then Omar has to travel and uh, Isan has to travel to the place where we have to execute. Whether it's in Berlin, whether it's in Warsaw, whether it's in Marseille, it depends where we are doing it, you know. And then this is the moment where we all meet. But it is a late stage in the work because, as I said before, that for months there is the conversations, there is uh, the moment where we 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 throw the ideas till we uh, settle on one, and then there is the time that I take to research and write, and there is the time that I have reflections on this first draft from Omar and maybe other collaborators also, and then I rewrite the draft, and so all this phase now is done virtually. We only meet physically uh, when we are starting uh, rehearsals. So this is briefly how wow. we do things now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess I don't know of another theater company that works virtually in that way. So if so, when you were doing, for instance, Damascus twenty forty five, you wrote it, and then the three of you um, just get, left each other voice apps, or how? I mean, how? So how does that process? work sort of in practice i mean uh, for, for example in in this specific case omar was i mean because we were finishing the previous project the factory and so omar was oh, in okay. germany we started we get we get the interest from this theater in warsaw which is a very uh, 
goods in progressive theater and very also uh, established in town. And uh, we said, yes, we're very interested to explore a new context to work in Poland. We've never been in Poland. We've never worked in Poland. So we said, yes. Luckily, Omar was in Berlin. So we had the chance to just exchange ideas and thought about what, what is the theme that we want to work on. After that, he was not here anymore. So, of course, I had to uh, to work on the topic that we both felt that, yes, we are both engaged with this topic. So I had the time to research and wrote it. And then I sent uh, him a draft. And then I got a feedback from draft. That's all, of course, uh, from distance. And then, right. uh, with, uh, and then uh, we met again in Warsaw to start rehearsing with the actors. And... Uh, and usually there, uh, I mean, with, with the rehearsals, uh, 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 regardless in w- which project, because more or less it's the same uh, always, I, I write the final draft with the rehearsals. Usually, whether it's there's one draft or two drafts before, it depends on uh, to what extent we are satisfied with draft. But then the final draft, we always leave it till the early rehearsals with actors, because this is a great opportunity to get a feedback from the actors, you know, because before that, the characters you write are, are abstract characters, are just, mm. just characters on paper. And it's a, a, a marvelous opportunity for any writer, I think, to see uh, now actors from flesh and blood uh, uh, playing these characters. And then, of course, uh, this is, uh, again, a great chance to examine the weaknesses and uh, maybe the... Uh, yeah, where, where where you feel okay? No, uh, this character cannot, cannot at this moment maybe reflect like this, or cannot at this moment. So it's it's a very interesting uh, uh, phase of observation during the first days of rehearsals, when the, when the characters are embrace sorry, when the actors are embracing these characters and start to find ways to to play them. And then then I I got uh, either things from the observation or actually things they they say because also they mm. they have. They have a room for a feedback based on their early readings. And and based on that, and while actually these early rehearsals are going with Omar and the actors, I'm, I'm rewriting whenever I feel there's a need. And soon after, uh, we have kind of the final draft. And after that, it's more the work of Omar and the actors, and of course, Pisan and the other technicians. And I withdraw here. So because from now on, it's more like... Uh, the work of the director with the actors and, of course, how they put the, all the puzzle pieces together from the video to the music to the lighting. And and I'm here. I'm just really uh, a silent observer from now on, metaphorically. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so speaking of so having a, a, a showing in, in Krakow and in Poland, you, you had said in, in one interview since 2011, the objective of my work has been clear, an attempt to deconstruct the complicated situations in Syria and the whole region. And then in a different interview, theater does not exist without an audience. And I wondered how a sort of a changing audience, if whether it changes the way in which you shape your theater, in which you imagine how you communicate with that audience, if it's different for an audience in Damascus versus Beirut versus Berlin versus Krakow? It's a really very good question. And it's a question that I, I still, I mean, it's it's a work in process, as you say. I mean, I, I, I it's, 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 it's one of the questions I do really ask myself, and we do as a group also ask ourselves all the time. Uh, yes, it affected, for sure, no doubt. I mean, at the beginning, I didn't realize that. Uh, uh, 
I was not sure. I, I know I didn't realize that. Yes, I mean the context where you are working, and based on based on that, the fact that you know who is to a larger extent, of course, you can expect who are your uh, who's your audience. I didn't expect that that will really determine also or or partly determine your approach and 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 how do you like deliver things but yes now i can say yes by learning by by moving from different contexts i say yes of course because uh i think it would be um a bit weird if you don't put if you don't consider this because uh if i know that okay i'm doing this piece and it will be shown in repertoire for this theater and mm. so to to an extent you know who's the audience here so for example you uh, uh, you can tell in advance to what extent they know about your topic yeah for, for right. us because we are still very interested on reflecting on our struggle main struggle which is syria and, and the uh the events that are still unfolding unfortunately tragically in syria so of course if I, if you were if you were showing our work mainly for a syrian audience or for example lebanese audience where syria is just next door you know and and the mm. knowledge about the syrian context it's really you cannot compare it to the knowledge of polish audience for example for, for of course you you do things differently here and there i'm not saying that you do everything entirely different because also that's something uh, i don't think it's right because uh yeah you uh, but Definitely, you have to modify things here and there, or to, from the beginning, uh, uh, again consider this fact. So, uh, if you are showing uh, a Syrian story to a Syrian audience, of course you don't need to uh, explain uh, the same way when you have, for example, when you show it to German or American or Australian or Japanese or Polish, which which these contexts we all we performed in all these places as a, as an example among many, by the way. So of course you have to think about these things because uh, uh, one of our uh, one of the objectives why you are doing what we are doing is to create a dialogue dialogue with the audience is to uh, try to challenge. Um, how media and especially uh, mainstream media, for example, um, manage to manufacture uh, one-sided story of Syria, for example, you know, mm. uh, a, sto- a story or an image that's full of stereotypes and cliches, and uh, you know, and, and this is how media works. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, uh, I'm not really trying to be cynical, but this is realistic. This is how media works. It focuses on things and. Uh, and and for us, theater is is one of the reasons why we are doing what we are doing is because we believe that theater is a space where you can build much uh, a, a, a very different bond with audience, uh, a bond that I think can uh, deconstruct a lot of these cliches and stereotypes that are usually conveyed by media and by by uh, by press and by. So yeah, uh, if you if you have this objective in mind in advance, uh, naturally you have to uh, think about how you can deliver your story in a way that you can create this bond with an audience. So 
so back to the same point, of course, if I was telling the story of middle-class Syrian family lives in Damascus today to a Syrian audience, I won't bother by explaining a lot of things or, or to contextualize a lot of things. But when mm-hmm. I'm telling the same story to a European audience, I need to find simple tricks, uh, clever tricks, if I can, tricks that will not ruin the plot or will, will not, uh, how to say, uh, ruin the uh, dramatical structure of the piece, but at the same time can give uh, a better context for the story. So, yeah, th- this is this is this is to answer your question. Yes. So briefly, yeah, audience do do matter, and uh, uh, we consider them when we are doing our. So as you say, the situation in Syria is still unfolding and it is not, you know, a finished story. And and also the 2018 play that you wrote, I, I thought interestingly, was based around um, the factory, was based around a story that was still happening at the time, a French uh, cement company, Lafarge, and their involvement in war crimes in Syria. Um, and could you please look into the camera is also based on a, you know, obviously a situation that was still unfolding. And you said that theater was a way to write unfinished stories. And I was interested in that and whether that is truer of theater than, than other genres and then, than writing novels or poetry and, and why, why is theater a good format for writing unfinished stories? And what's your interest in sort of unfinished stories? Uh, and finish, I think, in in the uh, in a meaning that you, I'm not applied. I don't feel uh, it's our obligation to 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 find conclusions mm. or to cl- or to claim that we have conclusion, or even more dangerously, I would say, to claim that we are delivering kind of truth or kind. No, of course we have our point of view. I mean, of course, anybody know, knows knows uh, my work or our work knows that. Uh, uh, we are, of course, we have our political stand in the work, and we think we we strongly believe that theater is is political by default. So, saying all of that, but it doesn't, I think, means that it's an oblig uh, it's an our obligation or our role as theater people to really uh, deliver conclusions or completed uh, statements or you know. Uh, so I think right. that's again against the theater. I think uh, this is my opinion. So what 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 we what we try to do actually is. To to um, honestly to to um, to shed a light on stories that unfinished maybe or that still bending because for me is is more important maybe to raise questions than to deliver answers you know mm. it's more more important to provoke or encourage maybe audience or even the partners in the work in trying to look at things differently uh, rather than say, oh, okay, we got it. It's, it's uh, all clear. It's, it's, you know, so, so, so I think it's a delicate process of negotiate negotiation between, uh, be- between having your political stand because uh, yes, I have a political stand and I, I have my anger and I have my, but at the same time, I know that I don't own a truth. I, I know that, I don't have conclusions. I know that I'm still in the process of discovering and digging for things and exploring things. So this is how I think uh, this the combination of both is represented in the stories in theater. You know? So yeah. Mm. So so I'm a little bit curious about 
the logistics of of your of your life if it's not too too nosy. So you and Omar and Bisan and others aren't able to form a theater company in the same way that you would if you were all together in Beirut, for instance, yes. or all together or, or in Damascus. Berlin. That was the whole. Or, yes. Because this is where we started. It's it's our hometown, and we studied there. And that was we were working on that. Actually, we were, we were like heading to have our small maybe space and a company. Anyway, but uh, but here we are. So, it's a different right. uh, world. Right. Yeah. So so in yeah. between projects, so you pitch um yeah. my, you pitch a project to um to a, a theater company to stage it. And, or, or, uh, or sometimes the other way around. Sometimes we get commission. Actually, this is what okay. we ha- what happened, and we are grateful for this opportunity. For the last two or three years, or like or more, we get commissions from theaters or festivals who are interested in our work, and they ask us to present what we have, and then we then how. Sometimes, of course, you, we do it as you said. We we present like we have an idea, and then we approach like. Uh, a theater that we are interested in working, a theater that we are convinced that it can, we can build a, a, a decent partnership with. So it, it goes both ways. So sometimes we are commissioned, so we are asked to present mm-hmm. our ideas. And luckily, uh, these commissions usually are generous. I'm not speaking about just the financial aspect at all, actually generous in terms that people want to work with us, so they don't impose topics on us on this mm-hmm. because they, 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 they just want... Uh, Maybe they believe in a work or they have maybe a, a, an artistic alliance of how we also we see theater and stuff. So, And, of course, uh, sometimes, no, we, we propose sometimes things on, 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 on theaters or festivals. Yeah, so it, it happens both ways. Yeah. So you've been in Berlin for the last several years. What made you choose Berlin and what makes you continue to choose to stay in Berlin? Uh... Actually, Berlin chose me. I, I I don't want to elaborate a lot because this is maybe mm. a bit personal, but I just briefly can say say a few words. I was living in Beirut and I had no plan to leave Beirut, mm. but I was asked to leave by uh, the Lebanese authorities, especially the Lebanese Amin al-Am, which is the Lebanese mm. General Security, the, called General Security. It's uh, one of the Lebanese uh, intelligence uh, bodies in Lebanon. And back back then, I didn't have also passport. I didn't have Syrian passport because also this is one of uh, the dilemmas, especially back then uh, for many Syrians who were uh, abroad, but they couldn't renew their travel documents. Uh, so I found myself in this awkward position where I'm, I'm not, I don't have a travel document. And at the same time, I'm asked to leave the country. I'm not welcomed anymore in Lebanon. And consonantly, actually, I got uh, a fellowship here in Germany, and they brought me here. They, um, with their help, I managed to leave Lebanon, and I came here to Germany. Uh, and it was uh, unfortunately one-way trip, as we say. So, <laughs> so I had to then continue my journey here because I, I, yeah, as I said, it was one-way trip. I cannot go back to Syria. I cannot go back to Beirut. And mm. I had to stay here. So it was not uh, really something I planned for or I choose willingly. Saying that, I like Berlin. Uh, I was in Berlin before I, I before this kind of uh, forced, uh, I'd say, uh, travel to Berlin happened. I was here a few times for work-related reasons. So I would say that I was lucky that I arrived to a place that I know a bit and I have friends and uh, also work networks. So... 
there's many things uh, in Berlin for me to like. It's a open, very open city. It's very liberal. Um, the cultural scene is, is strong and vivid. Also, there is a now a growing Syrian community here. Also, the city is getting more and more cosmopolitan. Uh, so it's not uh, only German city anymore. It's, it's really a city where you can meet people from all over the world. And this is uh, a great thing about any city, in my, in my opinion. It's not, yeah. Mm. So all these uh, factors uh, make me, uh, even though I didn't choose to be in Berlin, even though it was not something I planned for, but uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm good here, and uh, I'm yeah uh, trying to. Uh, uh, not, I don't think a lot about the next step in terms of moving. So I'm just uh, actually for now. I know that I'm in Berlin. I'm not sure soon if I will leave somewhere else or not. But I know that for now I'm in Berlin, and uh, overall I'm happy here, and I feel good. Great. So I have one question that Please. I want to ask just for me. <laughs> so, so much of your work um, is sort of social realist or, or based in um, interviews or, or research. And then Damascus, to me, Damascus 2045 seemed like a big departure, setting your work in a fictional future. And um, I just wondered the way you wrote it changed and what made you decide on on that project uh really to experiment really just to experiment because mm. as you said yes uh, for the past 10 years or so since since the uprising started in Syria, since the revolution started uh no doubt that the documentary aspect is very strong in my work and this is something i i wanted me and of course omar also something we really uh, wanted and we uh, we still believe in in and it's something definitely we will continue working on. I would say with time, uh, the tendency was clear that I'm also mixing documentary with fiction. So th this, this what you call uh, departing from the kind of strong or pure documentary, it happened uh, years ago. But yes, of mm. course, in all the world, there is still a, doc a strong documentary aspect, no doubt. And it's something I... I want to work on, like to, and again, it's it's. Uh, I'm more and more uh, enjoying uh, uh, combining now uh, documentary. So you start, uh, I, I start uh, something based on real events, uh, real references, so audience can know what are the events, and even sometimes the characters are are, are uh, everything. The reference are, but 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 then soon after, in the process of writing and and composing, if I to say I mix things with fictional so I liberate also myself from the limitations of the realities but what yes exactly with Damascus 2045 it's really started just with the, with the desire to experience something different different genre mm. and also because the questions that uh, as, as I said maybe briefly and maybe now I can clarify this more the way we start each project is by Asking ourselves, or by 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 exposing, what kind of questions are 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 annoying us this moment? You know, what are because with each project, project with each play, I and then I with Omar, of course, and and with the other collaborators, we start with the questions that we feel are resistance, or the questions that are annoying us, the questions that are knocking uh, on our heads all the time. You know. Uh, and, and, and at that phase, with, with this desire to experiment new genre, 
for me, the question of, um, of, 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 of narrative became very important because we were we reached a point where uh, our our dream was crushed brutally on ground. The dream of democratic mm. new Syria yeah, was was crushed brutally on ground. Uh, but the, but but more even more what was scary more and still for me very scary is that even the story has been erased now or, or it's been forgotten. Mm. So that was one of the questions that was scaring me all the time, the question that I couldn't get off my head, you know. So that was another reason why I jumped to the future. I wanted to look at the future just to examine this question of narrative and struggle over narrative and who writes the history and this this uh, mm. dilemma that the victorious usually, regardless of their ethical superiority, but they write the history, they write the events. And then these their version of the history with time, unfortunately, becomes the history, becomes the official narrative. So these questions actually were the starting point for Damascus 2045. So, so it started by both questions, again, the, what kind of question that scares me more or annoys me more, a question that sometimes I write just to find ways to put them out, you know, because sometimes you have things in your head and the only way to channel them is just to write something. And actually, it's a way to share this question with others. Maybe together you can find some answer because personally, I can't find these answers. So I put them in a place. And then through mm. the place, we share this question with others. And hopefully all of us can think about them. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's, so it's two things together. So it was a desire like uh, from an experimental point of view just to try something different. Uh, whether it was successful or not, I honestly don't know because it was the first time and I'm sure there is a lot of weaknesses in it. I'm, I'm, I'm aware, actually, not just you. But, but this desire was genuine, so I needed to respond to that. And on the other hand, these kind of questions, again, about the narrative, about the history, about, about who writes history and who, docu who, who actually own the rights and the power to turn a version of the story to the official story or the official history. So... Both things, uh, I mean, the combined led me to uh, write a futuristic or dystopian, I would say, play. Oh, f fantastic. Um, so uh, just one final question. Um, uh, so in, in some ways, the COVID shutdowns of the last year maybe haven't affected you at all since you were already working um, remotely with sort of your core team, but how, how have the shutdowns of the last year affect, or more than a year now, affected your work? Uh, simply, it stopped the work, as simply as mm. that. We, we <laughs> couldn't do anything, no, really. All our projects mm. either got hold or uh, canceled, unfortunately, or freezed for, an, uh, an, like, for I don't know when. So this is really the simple answer. It just, it didn't really uh, delay the work. It just stopped it mm. precisely, like this is what happened. So we are hoping now, because things relatively start to ease down a bit, that we can continue. Now, for example, while I'm speaking to you, there is a performance that just uh, premiered yesterday in Montreal. It was uh, it was uh, supposed to be last year. It was cancelled, uh, sorry, postponed because of COVID. Now, luckily, we did it. It's it's uh, it's not a new piece, but it's a piece that we are doing the, for the first time in in. Uh, in Canada, so it's a new uh, cast, a new set. Everything was done there, so uh, the text is not new. But I mean, the, the whole, the, the everything else is new. 
so we managed to do, and actually we rehearsed uh, uh, via Zoom through Zoom, which was really not wow. ideal at all. Yeah. But, 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 <laughs> but, but, but terrible. Yeah, logistically it was possible because <laughs> only me and Omar and Bissan are not in Canada. Mm. The crew, uh, all the actors, the technicians, everything, everything is there. So they could actually, so it was more like we taught them how to do things and they just uh, construct things, you know. And uh, then, uh, of course, we had to work, especially Omar has to work uh, more with the actors via Zoom and sometimes me. Isan has to work with the technicians and uh, it's really not ideal. It was uh, good that we experienced this, but actually... After we experience this, we know that it's something we really not we are not keen to do again, as long as we mm. can, of course. So, but 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 again, just to look at the good side of the story, at least we managed to do this performance after one year of post, of postponing it. Uh, so, yeah, this is this is a kind of start for the what we hope the era after the pandemic. But still, things are shaky. Things are, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty in our field, in theater and performing arts uh, field, because not just because the pandemic is not over, also uh, the way theaters are opening is not exactly back to what they were. So there's a lot of restrictions mm. in rehearsing, in performing. So there's a lot of uncertainty. I don't think, I don't think by by not even maybe maybe next year things maybe start to kind of go back to any kind of normality that we know, but uh, even even later than this date. So I'm not super optimistic that things will go back on track very soon. Okay, well on that <laughs> semi uh, not hopeful note, um, thank you so much for joining us today, Mohammed the Alchemist. Um, we, I really enjoyed this conversation. So this is an easier way to say my name now. <laughs> yes. <exactly. laughs> so I will tell, I'll tell my name once. I like my name, Muhammad Al-Attar. Muhammad Al-Attar. But I, li I, I like also your version. Thank you very much for having me. It was a great pleasure to speak to you. And uh, yeah, and uh, hopefully we meet in person also one day soon. Yes, one of these days. Yeah, sure. All right, Perfect. thanks so much. Bye. Ciao, ciao. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Literature Across Frontiers podcast. You can hear more episodes from the series by subscribing to follow the Literature Across Frontiers podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Feel free to rate the podcast and give us a review, especially if it's going to be a five-star one. Please also help us raise awareness about the Literature Across Frontiers podcast through your social media accounts. And finally, I'd like to thank the Creative Europe Programme of the European Union for making this interview series possible with their support. <laughs>